Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today we have our guest, Superintendent Dr. Bill Kimballs from the Maple Run Unified School District in St. Albans, Vermont. Maple Run serves the communities of St. Albans City, St. Albans Town, and Fairfield, Vermont. In his second year as superintendent, he facilitates a multifaceted community engagement model to ensure the local community understands that they are what he likes to call the owner of our public schools. He has had great success and works hard every day to listen and understand the needs of the district he so proudly serves. Well, welcome everyone to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, Vice President of the Plexus Foundation. And today I'm very excited to have our guest, Superintendent at Maple Run Unified School District, Dr. Bill Kimball. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Got a little chill in the air out here, but that's January. <laughs> yeah, that's Northern Vermont in January, correct? That's right. That's right. And when you say Northern Vermont, you're like Northern, Northern Vermont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 15 minutes to the border. <laughs> On the interstate max, you know, and that's that's driving the speed limit. So not anything fast. We've got two towns north of us before the border. And then, it, you know, Montreal is our closest big city. We like to think in Vermont a lot. And we talk about Boston, New York, but Montreal's only an hour 15 away. So, you know, I, I love it where, as we we're chatting beforehand, you're giving context to, you know, St. Albans and what's there like the Ben and Jerry milk, the factories, and those things that people know about and can kind of place that taste of Vermont, right? We all have a taste of Vermont in our hearts of Ben and Jerry's and those other areas. Yeah. You know, we, Vermont, we kind of get that stigma of the, uh, you move, um, we've got the green open spaces and, and little villages and all that. And St. Albans is a real rebirth that's happened in the past 20 years. Um, mm. I lived here 25 years ago for a year while I was at the University of Vermont doing my master's work. And I've come back four years ago to serve this district. And um, it's a really special place. It's really kind of pulled itself up by its bootstraps and uh, really helped grow the community through an amazing long story that I won't get into that by having Walmart come to town and build a superplex outside, it actually spurred the downtown to revitalize. So it's been great. It's beautiful. We have, we've become a little foodie city. I love hearing that Walmart had a positive impact somewhere. It doesn't wreck everything. It did. It actually, yeah, it, it, grew, yeah. it grew the city. And uh, we are, you know, we're 30 minutes from Burlington and uh, our housing stock, um, it's probably about seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars below that of Chittenden County, which is the for those who aren't from Vermont. That's the we're about a third to a little more of the population of Vermont resides in that county, and oh, yeah. it's, it's hard right. to get housing. And some people want something a little smaller than Burlington, South Burlington, that Essex area. So uh, that's St. Albans, and uh, it's just got a great community feel. Um, I, as I said. Coming back here four years ago, I just felt it right away. So, I I love hearing that you love the town you're in and you know the area. I mean, obviously, you know Vermont. You've been working in it. Is it your entire career based in Vermont? Well, not my entire career. I moved back here. Now I got to think about it. About 24, 25 years ago, I spent um, I spent six years in private education before that. Gotcha. Um, and then moved back to where I currently live now in central Vermont 
um, to take a job as a technology director. Uh, I was in charge of all the computing systems, but my main job was integrating technology, being a coach to the teachers to help them integrate technology in the 90s. Gotcha. Yeah. Things have changed technology-wise, haven't they? Oh, yeah. We're not just floppy disks and CD-ROMs anymore. And everything that I thought was so hard to teach people, it's like, that's done today without, you know. What I what I can do on this phone is you know I couldn't do on the computers then so I love it yeah I mean I do I love that I love having everything at my fingertips but I also yeah. know other challenges come with it right as yep. always um, and you know it, as far as becoming superintendent was this something you had thought about something you had considered or were you kind of like oh I'm here and here's an opportunity and that's yeah. next like how was your journey to that that's a really good story you know I. Um, I, my journey has been through really one of central office administrator. Um, I have done a few short stints and I might say short year or less as a principal, mainly as a sub, but mainly uh, in helping out in the districts I was working as an administrator. Okay. As I said, I was a technology director, mm-hmm. uh, started that in 98 and worked my way up to director of assessment in the school district, uh, moved on to another as a curriculum director. And that was, I, this is my ninth year of being a superintendent and my second district. Um, okay, nice. As a superintendent. And uh, in between, I was an assistant here in Maple Run for two years. And the way I got there was it was one of those things where you're working closely in a small rural district in Northeast Vermont. I was watching how the superintendent was, was doing things. And I said, I'm not sure I quite do it that way. <laughs> And so I just happened to throw my hat in the ring to try it after talking to a couple of colleagues. And I said, well, just go learn about the process. Yeah. I was the last person standing at that point. <laughs> so they offered me the job and um, boy, I thought I knew what I was getting because I had been central office for, I don't know, let's just say 13 years, something like that. Right. Right. As a central office administrator and, you know, in small rural Vermont, as a curriculum director, you kind of run as an assistant superintendent. There's no titles like that, but it's just the work you do. You do the work. Um, how naive I was. <laughs> it, not even close to knowing what I was doing. But, uh, you know, you learn on the job. And uh, I take this phrase from one of my uh, my participants in my dissertation, who is a superintendent. I did on superintendent. I did research on superintendents. Oh, nice. And she said when she started, when she told her story like this, you fake it until you make it. And I said, isn't that the truth? <laughs> you do the best you can. You make a decision. And, but the thing is you reflect on it and grow and make sure you don't make this. I try not to make the same mistake twice. Oh, that is um, so true. Isn't it? I yeah. mean, really just what you said is when you get in that chair, that role, really your eyes open in a whole nother way, don't they? Oh yeah. You, you don't know it until you're in it. You, you just don't. And that, and, and I've had that kind of feeling in other positions, but nowhere near to the magnitude. It's, it's on steroids as a superintendent. <laughs> Probably shouldn't use that analogy, but that's the way I'll say it. I was going to make a joke and be like, yeah, sometimes I could see you getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I, I can see that. I mean, when the superintendent talks, everyone's like, Erg, you know, it's, it's rare that you're like, yeah, we love our superintendent, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. You just don't hear that talked about enough. And that's what I love about doing this podcast, being able to talk about the great things. And like you said, 
your eyes open and you have to change, don't you, as a, as a, as a person in that role? You do. And, and I was just talking about this to one of my principals today is, you know, all superintendents do that. I know, you know, you meet with your principals very regularly and you give them supports and they were having a tough time. And I just said, you know, I think it's me. And it has taken me a long time in my career to really understand what little control I have. I can mm-hmm. influence. And even though I'm unhappy about something that's affecting a kid or a group of kids, my best thing is I can influence it and I can try right. to help others do the right thing, but I can't control them. And if I do, I'm going to tie myself up in knots and that's a waste of energy. And I said to that same colleague, I understand that you can't get there yet today and that's okay. My Mm -hmm. job is to help you see that. And I said, the only way I got that, and I said, it's not the way I want people to be trained. I wish I had a solution, but I learned it because I went through it. Right. That is so true. That sad, sad state of affairs for training (laughs) school leaders when I have to say something like that. That just makes me cringe. It's like, that's not the way to do this. Right. But you know what you said just about early on that you watch other people do it. You're like, maybe I wouldn't do it that way. And like you said, until you get in there, you just don't know. I mean, you have board pressure, community pressure, legislator pressure. I mean, all this stuff surrounding you and the principal has a lot of pressure and you to help protect that principal. Right. And give them guidance. Right. And help them make the best decision they can, but also, I, I, we, when we were talking before we got into the recording, yeah. you know, one of the things I, I really see one of my key aspects about it being an effective superintendent is inspiring leadership in others. Yeah, I love you that. You cannot do it alone. And anyone that thinks you can, you, you're not going to do it. It's hard to do the job. Oh, you, yeah. There aren't enough hours in the day. And so my question I always ask myself, and I ask my direct reports, that's what the people that I'm supervising. <clears throat> That's why I, they, we joke about me using that term. That comes from another podcast. Um, and that, um, that really, you know, how, what questions do you ask of the people that report to you? So you're not telling them. We're talking about adult learners here. And yes. I believe if we're leaders in the system, our students are adults. And so we have to think, we have to be, very professionally knowledgeable and skillful with adult learners. And we know that for adults, transitioning into adulthood, your values are set and your values don't change unless you have an experience that questions to yourself, is that value still a value? And you have to go through that experience. And so how do you ask the right question to other adults to make them look at the situation differently or have an ex- better yet have an experience with not one that you're dragging them through. Like you can't say, okay, we're going to put everyone through X, Y, Z and they're going to have this experience. Well, that's just as fake as you telling them what to do. So how do you get them to start questioning their own values? And that's, that's the aspect where most adults don't, I believe most adults don't try to do something bad ever. Like they're not trying to make problems. Right. They value something and they see it from their point of view. So how do we look at it from right. their point of view? And how do we know what they have? Back to that leadership montage. 
what I believe in is if I can pass authority, accountability, and responsibility, all three together, you can never separate them, down throughout the system, the more leaders we'll have. Mm. That's easy to say and hard to do. Oh, yeah, very much so. (laughs) Really easy to say, really hard to do because people want usually two of them, but not the third. And the third they usually don't want is the accountability. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> and, and I wrote a paper way back that talked about what happens when you separate one of each of those three. Yeah. So I, there were six different paths, but um, it just, it doesn't allow you really, I think it doesn't allow you to be a leader. Like for myself to be a leader, I have yes. authority. I have responsibility to things are down, but I need to be accountable to someone. So I'm working with my board right now to develop that accountability system for the school system and for myself, because if they're school district goals, they should be my goals as the, as the back lack of better word, CEO of the school system. That's right. That's right. I like that. You know, you mentioned accountability. It's like the mirror. You look into the mirror, right? And you see, this is what I see. This is the accountability. Like I look at it and sometimes you're like, Ooh, I don't like what I see right now, but then it goes, well, now I have something to work with, right? It gives you that, and that's the best accountability is that self, yeah. self-accountability. You know, yeah. that it's that self, right? We say the strongest things for students is when they do self-assessment. Yes. The strongest thing for adults is when they do self-assessment or reflection. That's We've true. been working on our, our teacher supervision and evaluation system. The last three words I really don't like. I'd really like to have a teacher <laughs> responsibility and self-assessment. Like, because my principal's, we talked about, well, I got to write all, and I, we don't do this now, but I remember talking about when I first got here as the assistant superintendent, we do all these write-ups there. I'm like, why are you writing it up? Well, I have to. I'm like, no, you don't. You should be able, I bet if you did it right, you should have 90% of the written stuff for the evaluation system done by the evaluate T. Because the, if the evaluate T is doing a good job and their self-assessment, and most educators, and I truly believe this, this has been my experience for 25 plus years in education. Most teachers are harder on themselves than their supervisor would be. Definitely. So Agreed. if you say, write them up, and all you got to talk about is either you're being too harsh, which is most of the time, <laughs> and let's celebrate your successes, and or like, hey, there's a small part here. We're not in agreement. Let's talk about that. Maybe I have a misconception as your supervisor, or maybe you missed something. And let's see what the evidence says about that. That's so true. Then you have the, so let's say that takes care of 90% of your teachers. It's the other 10% you can focus on. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then those 90% help lift up the 10% at the same time. Bingo. So if you if you can get that done, but it's, that's a hard mantra where we've been in education for so long for um, supervision and evaluation. But yeah. I think we have to be willing to let that go. So we're we're currently working on that with our association partners. I like um, it. And we're not there, but we've gone through, we're in a two-year process. We've, we've set the framework for teaching as our description of high-performance teaching. So Danielson's framework. And okay. now we're starting to look at the process and say, is there a better way to do this process? You think two years, it, it sounds like a long time, but it really isn't, is it? No, and people have been so swamped coming out of the pandemic. Frankly, 
we'll be good. We'll be lucky to finish it this year. There's a lot of things we've just said, wait a minute, we put too much on the plate, got all these federal resources, right? So you got tons of money. And then you're like, wait a minute, we're just swamping our staff and they're just <laughs> tired. So I believe it. it. It's trying to figure, it's figuring out how to stop some things and start some things. And it, it's, it's, it's one of, that I think is what's making some of the most stress, at least that I see. Mm. Um, in the yeah. system and the, just the general uh, social climate that we're in. So, Is that feeding into your governance changes as well, all of this? It is. What we're trying to say, and that's where I briefly ch- uh, gen- uh, talked to as, as myself as a superintendent, I should be, I'm responsible for the goals of the school district. Right. So when I start assume the role of superintendent here, we had a, best thing I can say is a mission. It's up on the wall. And then there were values that um, there were core values, but none of it was really clear about what are the goals. And so the board agreed with me pretty quickly. We need goals. Okay. So we need goals. And so how do we get those? And one of the things I wanted to say, I said to the board was, so when you, last time you crashed that mission, which was about five, six years ago, how many people gave you input to it? What was the board and the administrators? I said, so if I went out and asked people what that was, how many people would be able to tell me? They're like, well, we have a post everywhere. It's on the letterhead, right? And I'm like, yeah. There's Uh, McDonald's signs posted everywhere, too. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, I just kind of nodded and didn't say much. And then a couple board members started to get it. They're like, so what are you saying? I'm saying you got to go out and ask people what they want for their kids to know and be able to do. What do they, what do they aspire to? Which is hard work too, isn't it? Going out oh, and asking. Oh yeah, we had to hire a consultant to do that. We've been doing that since uh, since the fall. Because <laughs> you really have to figure out what what are we trying to get out of what we're asking, and can we measure it? Right? Can right. we actually effectively measure? Well, it? that's a, I believe then that's a t- that last part, the measure. Yeah. That's that's the professional educators' work. That's not the board work. Correct. I agree with you there. Yes. So the the board work is to say so. We heard from our community that we value this, and these are the important places to work. So yes. as most plate school systems in the U.S., we've been dealing with equity challenges. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big thing that was happening in our community. So we paired them together, and our consultant asked three simple questions. And we did it. We had about 60 community members and about 120 kids out of our – we have a population of about 2,800 students. So, okay, you know – one twenty eighth, whatever that is. Let's say, sure. let's say it's a quarter. Um, and that was grades seven through 12. A lot of high school kids, but we got at least one group in each of our pre-K eights buildings. And we said, hey, what's going well? Tell us what's going well in the schools. Okay. What are some, uh, what are some places that you could, that we could improve for school? And then this is the third question. For students who have, and I'm saying, I can say this for adults, but we changed it a little bit for kids. Sure. For students who have historically struggled or students who are struggling in school, what supports do we need to put in place? We got a wealth of knowledge. We got, and that's all that was distilled qualitatively, um, um, went through qualitative analysis, came down to five key areas. And so now we've got a group of community members, students, and parents 
who are designing a one or two day symposium to come in. What are some possible actions? We're not going to tell you all. They don't tell us all the actions. But what's some things you think we should do to solve these five goal areas? Right, right. And all that will be given back to the board and to the leadership team to go make. Uh, I'll just. I'm just going to call it a strategic plan. That's not the words we use here, but that's good for all the listeners. Just a you know a three to five year strategic plan. And how sure, to sure. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, so the board is really integral because if the board is a representation of the community, and I really believe we are public schools, and that's public with an apostrophe S. The public (laughs) owns the school. So if we're the public school, the public should have some say into what the school, their aspirations for their children. That's true. They're not going to tell us the standards, right? And and that's what some of the board members are like. Hey, you got standards. You got stuff from the state. You got stuff from national organizations, don't you know? I'm like, yeah, I got that stuff. We can deal with that stuff. What do you want for your kids? Such a good point. Tell me that's such a good point, kids. and you have to be willing to listen, don't you? Like, yeah. just And you got to be willing to say it may not go in a direction you kind of <laughs> hoped it went in. <laughs> But that's, you know, if you ask the right questions along the way and you, you're active in it, I've never, it took me a long time. Uh, my first board chair, my first year as a superintendent was an attorney. And unfortunately, Conrad's passed away, but his best piece of advice, as he knew he was going to pass soon, he said, Bill, as a lawyer, I had to learn to trust the jury. Yeah. You need to learn to trust the public and the board. And he was absolutely right. I like that because the board is part of the public. They right? are, like, yeah. They're, they're, they're not educators. Representation of the public. Yeah, and we're a public school system. That's such a good point. You know, I think, like my sister, for example, she lives in Luxembourg. Totally different feeling of trusting the public versus here in the United States, right? Yeah. It's just different, and right. that's okay. But you know, and, and sometimes at Plexus, we talk about it. We're like, it's messy. Trusting the public, a thing messy as in it's not just orderly. It's not A plus B equals C, right? It's A plus Z minus X over Y divided by two. You don't know. And that's, yeah, it's exciting that, and challenging all at the same time. But isn't that part of our American history? Yes. I, I mean, you go right back to the Federalist Papers, and I can get way too much into this because I love this. <laughs> um, love it. <laughs> you know, but you go right back to the Federalist Papers and you look at what, uh, Jefferson and Adams were writing back and forth to each other about public school and public education and the base of a democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of how we built this country. Yeah. We didn't build it perfect. That's for sure. We got lots of issues and we have lots of inequities. Um, but the basis was like the public gets to decide. Yeah. That's a big deal. And, and you're right in your role, helping facilitate, the public's decisions in the midst of the everything else you're juggling, you know, like you said, there is authority, accountability, and responsibility in all those very heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, and the people that show up, I was thinking about the people that show up to contribute. I mean, that must be interesting to see them change as a result of these kind of interactions. Yeah. I haven't seen much change. And I think it's just because we're still in the beginning of this is something new for St. Albans. Not sure. that they haven't had public engagement. They've had that. 
but just there's been a lot of trust in the civic leaders yeah. and that the system will run. Um, and so that I, I think that's going to take some evolution time. Um, we are concerned that the people who did show up are the ones who show up all the time. Um, right, we did have right. some folks who couldn't, and we, you know, we had some folks from historically marginalized groups, uh, but not to the voice level we wish we had had. Um, that makes sense. So we're really trying to watch for that. That doesn't mean you're not listening. It just means being cognizant of where the information is coming from. And how do you, okay, you make, you raise a good point. It gets my, you know, me thinking about other questions. Like, so like you said, historically marginalized populations that aren't showing up to hear their voices heard. Right. Which is very common. Right. That's why yeah. people, I mean, that's why I worked for the Cal States for years. Cause I, I want to bring people to the table access, not just telling you, but showing you, helping you all those right. things, right. As a servant. So when you think about those folks that aren't showing up. So does that mean you as a district go out to them more and engage and be more active in that? How does that pan out for you? I wish I could tell you we're having success with that, but we're not, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, but it is when we do have a voice like that, we listen to it probably a little more intently. Right. Right. Okay. Um, And the people that would want to count numbers, and this is why you look at it. It's a qualitative analysis, right? It's not a quantitative analysis. Yeah. So you have those coding systems and you listen to it. Um, I actually had someone else do it outside of my office. Uh, As I said, we hired a consultant to help us with this project. And that's been very helpful. I actually stayed out of the adult listening sessions because I didn't want the power. I'm saying I was about to raise my hand, but quote unquote, (laughs) uh, you know, power of the superintendent in the room to stifle conversations. Um, you're right, because it can, right? We can. know for can. a fact that I can, it can. Yeah, I know. I, I would love to leave my, my title superintendent a lot of times behind me just so I can be a fly in the wall, but I yeah. can't do that. Right. I can't do it. And I come from the most privileged class there is. I'm a white, heterosexual male, grew up in a middle-class Vermont household. So, you know, I don't know a lot of what I don't know. And my best thing to do is be quiet and listen. Yeah. Uh, that's so true. Uh, you know what you're saying about listening and understanding and allowing yourself to step out to let things happen. Like you said, trusting, trusting the public yeah. that they do know. Yeah, That's tricky. That's not easy. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with folks and I'm not saying there's one way or the other, but the theme is consistent, like trusting the public, like you said, and just they realize how much they love what they do and how engaged they are and how they understand that need. And it's really cool to hear you say that too. Yeah. It's, but you have to, for my journey, it was getting there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't natural because I, I came from a curriculum side and an IT coaching side, which really came out of being a a high school math and mainly physics and chemistry and a little bit of math teaching from my high school days. Um, So I was that, you know, my undergraduate degree is instructional engineering. So very much linear thinking. That's right. That's know, right. Project yeah. plan, do the, you know, get it. There's a right answer. There's a wrong answer type of person. Right. And uh, I think I've evolved quite a bit from where <laughs> then, but um, there's days I, I kind of wonder when I, you know, you get stressed and I kind of go back to those, <laughs> those skills I honed when I was in my late teens, early twenties and at the university of New Hampshire. But um you know, all good stuff. 
but there is, you know, there's so much gray in this world and you have to appreciate all the different interpretations that people have. So it's a multicolored world of, um, of people and of ideas yeah. and of interpreting ideas and messages. So that's such a good point. I mean, it's an, uh, our interconnected world really feeds all that information to us. Go, wow, there's some of the stuff I just don't understand they're, where they're coming from. doesn't mean it's not valid. It's just right. like, I just don't understand it. I'm trying to. And I think that's one of the biggest in- understandings for myself lately is, I can't connect with where this person's coming from, but that's their truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I've got to live with that angst a little bit. Yeah. And say, okay, realize it's their truth. It's not mine. Uh, but, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And it seems like you're arguing over facts and like me, I'm, I've started to question, you know, what are the facts, you know, just because, Facts are you ground that off yourself off of something you ground that off of, right? That's true. Yeah, absolutely. You have a con- you have your own context, and that's where you ground it off of. And I think we see a lot of that in our society today. People, you know, what is truth? What are facts? Is based off of your context. And your kids in your district, your students, I should say. See, yeah. I always call them kids because I have kids that are like college, high school, middle school. Yeah, they're, they're all my, kids. My, are- my kids are county away, so. <laughs> These are, these are our students. They come in with different truth because they're different age, different level, different things are just different. And you 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 always hear that. that. You hear that dialogue. like, Well, it's different. I'm like, it is different. You're right. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. They are different. They're not coming in the same and that's okay. Yeah. Our responsibility as educators is to meet them where they're at. Right. And help them move forward. And for one kid, that might mean something very different than another. And the distance forward, I hate to use that analogy, but the, how much they go forward will be different from different kid. The piece that we all have in our educational system, we're sitting in this place of still trying to connect to an education system that was built by 10 white presidents of the Ivy league colleges in 1880. (laughs) That's true. I think we're in 2000, we're in the 21st century. We happen to be in the third decade of the 21st century. I think it's time to think about a different system. And we had, we had a system that was set up for sorting and we're not in, a, uh, and that was for the industrial age. That's true. We're not in a sorting society anymore. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I like that. Now, it gives, gives some good food for thought that way because it's, you hear what we have to get back to, what we have to get back to. I'm like, well, getting back to things isn't always the best choice. Understanding where we've been and where we are now is helpful always, right? Yeah. But, but like you said, people's perceptions of where we've been and where we are change and their right. truth changes. Right. You know, we were talking earlier about some of the advanced manufacturing that's here in, yeah. in St. Albans. And I, I talked to our man, advanced manufacturer. They're, they're like, I, I don't need that type of skill. I don't need those academics. What I need are transferable skills. Are kids self-directed? Are they persistent? Do they have grit? You know, that good old word. You know, do they, uh, are they dependable? Do they know how to communicate? Can they problem solve? I, I have sat down with a new employer here in the, in the state, uh, this is about it, 
16 months ago, mm-hmm. building a, a new dealership here, Subaru dealership. And he's like, if you can get me good kids that can come through your technical center, we'll pay for them to get their associate's degree. So they need an associate's degree to be an auto mechanic. That's awesome. But you get us kids that have that and that are good workers, we'll take them from there. And we'll pay them. We'll pay them to do it. And we'll pay for the education. And they'll come out with an associate's degree. And that's what you need to be an auto mechanic now is at least associate's degree, if not a bachelor's in engineering. That's true. So you have willingness to invest. And you're talking to these folks about what they need. Yeah. Yeah. We try to do that. We can do more of it. uh, But we we have glimpses of it happening. Um, we've got a lot of it's happening through our technical center. We're trying to branch that out in our high school as well. We're lucky that our technical center is on the same campus as our high school. Oh, that and they is have good. the same bell schedule, which is the first time I've ever experienced that. And so kids can freely <laughs> float back and forth from the high school to the tech center for classes, which is really cool. That is cool. I mean, yeah. there's some neat stuff going on there. I and mean, we could probably talk for another few hours about this, which is awesome. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, just to, just today, I was with, I meet with our student board reps because we yeah. have a board meeting tonight. So I meet with them. I meet with them every Wednesday, but we go over the board agenda the, the, at noontime for that night's meeting. And one was just telling me how she's signing up for this outdoor leadership that's offered through the tech center and, you know, for her senior year. And she said, yeah, I've got to keep these two blocks free for it, but I think we can make it work. And I said, that's awesome. Well, what's the outdoor leadership program called? Outdoor leadership. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they do a bunch of activities out outdoors um, and oh, learn awesome. leadership at the same time, but leadership through mountain biking, through canoeing, through gotcha. environmental stewardship, through biology, you know, so all of that applied. You know, it's so fantastic that they get to understand what leadership means and looks like versus telling someone what to do. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. (laughs) No. Leadership is helping people understand that they have, like you've said, roles and responsibilities that feed this the team and how we make it all happen. Not easy to do. Not easy. (laughs) It's almost more ethereal than tangible when you think about leader leadership. Um, it is well, very tangible, but like yeah. when you think about it, it's not just one thing. There's lots. Of oh pieces. no, there's lots of pieces, and yeah. and supporting one leader is supporting one leader. Yes. Don't, at least I try not to support all leaders the same because that doesn't work. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And you know, when you think about you, you just mentioned it, the different people. Obviously, you, you support your board members differently than your principals. Um, your parents versus the students. I mean, how do you juggle that? You just kind of listen and reflect and respond. How do you, how do you do that? Um, I try to understand what's going on um, for them. I think that's personally connecting, uh, taking that time to slow down. I've, uh, you know, you, you have that ebb and flows. Um, I can say this week's been pretty busy. So sometimes I haven't done that. And <laughs> Other times I try to, you know, when I sit down with someone, I usually first saying, so, hey, and the, let's talk about the people I meet dr- regularly with. How's it going? What are we doing? Right. Uh, what's going well with you? So you get that personal connection. The next one is, uh, what do you need help with? What are you trying to understand? You know, and, and it's not you me solving it. It's letting them talk it out. 
Yes. And then, so what, you know, you go through that, there's a whole bunch of questions that go with that, but really trying to be that reflective coach practitioner. And I, and I do that for the board sometimes too. And then, um, and then usually if I've got something on my list for them, it's usually no more than two. Um, I've had some of my folks that report to me say, you never give me anything. I said, I don't need to, you're on it. <laughs> right. No, like if I did, I would, but like, well, I think we're doing okay. And, uh, and that's Good kind point. of how I judge. Like if they're on top of everything, like, okay. Um, and then, you know, we usually end it with uh, how are we doing? What do we need to do better? Mm-hmm. Now, some that when you get rushed and I will say when I get rushed, I lose that fourth step. And right. uh, I think that that um, that's that's not good. And I think that that should be done. I, I need to do myself better accountability to myself for that. That's such a good point. Cause then you have someone in front of you and they're telling you what they need and want and understanding. Cause you're right. As professionals, that's our job is to be on top of it. And sometimes think, we yeah. just need some guidance on what's best. Most people don't make it into a school leadership job or they don't last at least. Right. If I have to go and give them a, a list of responsibilities to take care of. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> like, come on. Now, one of the things we did learn, and I'm taking this from the University of Washington's work and work they've done with school systems, is like we should have a calendar of activities by month for principals so they don't have to try to remember it all, especially when yes. you have a new one coming in. Yes. So we're trying to develop that right now as we speak. Um, but uh, and we're and doing that as a team. To say so, because we have two principal transitions that are happening this year, and I want—I'm using that as to say, shouldn't we just have it somewhere? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to overwhelm you, but just like there should be a calendar that says in July, here are some things that you should probably be doing. Yes, we start school the last week of August. So, what do you do in August? What do you do in September? And some of it can be as as simple as, hey, there's a safety drill every month, and the state says we need to have. Uh, uh, an options-based drill on September and we need to have an evacuate the building in October. And, you know, and some of it as like, where are you with the strategic plan with goal number three, you know, and are you doing this activity? We focused on universal design for learning, like many schools have, and been doing a series of once a month during faculty meetings. Um, I'd say they're not PLCs. I can't say they're strictly that, but they're more of a learning together time. Gotcha. With online support. So I like that. I mean, yeah. what you're saying is such a good point in the midst of just helping them with that cycle and, and the thinking, like you said, then, then you don't have to spend your time remembering. It's just there. It's there. And they're going to have stuff that they need to have. Of course. Um, that they're building because no building is. Yeah, not each building is, they're not equal. They're not the same. So they need to say, hey, I need to do this for this building. This building is, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Or we have this twist on getting that done. Okay, do we get to the same endpoint? I mean, that's what we say for students, right? We want different pathways for students. I want different pathways for my buildings, but I want us to get all there the same. Mm-hmm. And all kids. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, boy, the time's always gone by so fast. It's like, 40 minutes before you blink an eye as far as talking. Um, 
anything else you want to add or, or, or just say like, Oh, I, I would ask you one last thing is what, what do you guys have? I know you're working on your, um, your new change in your governance and some of those things yeah. in the next three to five years. Do you have any new buildings planned, anything like that kind of big on the horizon? No new buildings. Um, we have some building work that needs to be done. Um, we're looking at enrollment. We've been staying pretty steady. Our okay. forecasting says we're not supposed to go up, but we've been creeping up for the past four to five years, you know, 20, 40, 50 students a year. Um, so that's a pretty good gain in Vermont, especially for a district of 2,800. Um, yeah. And uh, our big thing is really to, with the governance, is have the board set the goals and then have them empower the leadership team to create a strategic plan for the next three to five years and have us use that to guide our work. And that's really the big work ahead. And um, I think the board's bought into that to say, here are the goals. You go create a plan, bring it back to us. Uh, let us see it and approve it. And then you can create your continuous improvement plan for each year off of that. So my hope is that somewhere, at least by the end of next year, we have that strategic plan in place that we have the goals by next fall. Yeah. I'm not too worried about because we have continuous improvement plans that we're doing and they're in alignment with the areas that have been that we're finding in our listening sessions. So it's not like, you know, we're going one direction. We're going to totally go a different. We're <laughs> just kind of shifting lanes. It's probably the best right. analogy. That makes sense. That's true. And not every year has to be a building year and a right. crazy, crazy growth year, construction year, right? That sometimes you're like, okay, maybe let's yeah. take a break. There's always stuff you're doing, I'm sure, that way. Well, that's, I mean, you have so much exciting stuff going on, you know, and I know we just scratched the surface on things and it's really, um, it's actually very fun and inspiring to talk about leadership with you and, you know, when you're, the symposium's coming up um, and, and and best of luck with that and just working through it and and those phases along the next, you know, six months, a year as you get things in place. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. Very exciting. So, uh, Dr. Kimball, I'm joking around. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep that doctor doctor term to a minimum, right? <laughs> that's right. Doctor, it hurts when I do this. Well, then stop yeah, doing that, right? Yeah, that's and right. Like, stop doing it. <laughs> it's really nice to meet you. What a pleasure to, you know, to get a chance to talk with you and get to know more about you and your district. A lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you're entirely welcome. It was really fun having the conversation. I appreciate it. It's one of the highlights of the day. So, thank Great. You. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.